Hey everybody, so glad that you're here. Um, so glad you're here for this special Sunday. Uh, man, I've really enjoyed this last service and this one too. So thankful for what Jesus is doing in our community. Um, we're going to take a few minutes here. We're going to study the scriptures together. Uh, but before we do that, I want to ask uh, Lynette Petrie to join me here on the platform. And um, Lynette is going to read the scripture. So today I'm going to preach in English. Um, but we, and we have, of course, translators and radios for people who are native Spanish speakers. But I wanted to ask Lynette to read through the main passage of Scripture today from Romans chapter 3 before we study the Word together. So everybody, first of all, would you please just give a hand to Lynette Petrie? I'm so grateful for the Petries and what they do and their contribution to this community. And so, Lynette, take it away. Okay. Romanos 3, 21 a 31. Pero ahora, sin la ley, Dios ha mostrado de que nos, manera nos ha hecho justos y esto lo confirman la misma ley y los profetas por medio de la fe en Jesucristo. Dios hace justos a todos los que creen, pues no hay diferencia. Todos han pecado y están lejos de la presencia gloriosa de Dios. Pero Dios en su bondad y gratuitamente los hace justos mediante la liberación que realizó Cristo Jesús. Dios hizo que Cristo, al derramar su sangre, fuera el instrumento del perdón. Ese perdón se alcanza por la fe. Así quería Dios mostrar cómo nos hace justos, perdonando los pecados que habíamos cometido antes, porque Él es paciente. Él quería mostrar en el tiempo presente cómo nos hace justos, pues así como Él es justo, hace justos a los que creen en Jesús. ¿Dónde, pues, queda el orgullo del hombre ante Dios? Queda eliminado. ¿Por qué razón? No por haber cumplido la ley, sino por haber creído. Así llegamos a esta conclusión, que Dios hace al hombre por la fe, independientemente del cumplido de la ley. ¿Acaso Dios es solamente Dios de los judíos? ¿No lo es también de todas las naciones? Claro, está que lo es también de todas las naciones, pues no hay más que un Dios, el Dios que nos hace justo a los que tienen fe, sin tomar en cuenta si están o no están circuncisados. Entonces, ¿con la fe le quitamos el valor a la ley? Claro que no. Más bien afirmamos el valor de la ley. Amén. Thank you, Lynette. Appreciate you very much. Um, let's pray for a moment. We'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we want you to speak to us today. God, we gather here for a reason. That reason is you. And so we want you to teach us and instruct us. We want you to form us. We want you to shape us into the people of God. And we confess today that we don't have what it takes for any of this. So, Lord, would you do a work by the power of your Spirit in each one of our lives today? We bless your name. We thank you for it. We receive it. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we all pray. And we said, amen. amen. Um, so when I, was a, when I was a younger man and I went to college, I went to college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, you know, college is that interesting time where you kind of step away for the first time, many of us. You, you, you step away from family. You step away kind of on your own, kind of spreading your wings for the first time. It feels kind of exciting. And you're trying to figure life out and figure out who you are and how to be responsible, or in some cases, not. And uh, I found when I went to college that there were these companies, these, these credit card companies that really wanted to give me credit cards. Like they were really excited about the season of life that I was in, and they wanted to provide credit cards just for me. And so, funnily enough, 
I wanted to receive them because it was so easy. You don't even have to pay for stuff. So I got the credit cards, filled out a couple and got some, and, and I was in business. So I was a pretty responsible young man, actually. I'd been taught fairly well in most cases. And so uh, I, I was cautious. I, I spent somewhat carefully. Um, but over time, as you're just trying to figure things out, you know, and, and, and expenses kind of get bigger and bigger, and I had a job, but I didn't really work a lot. And so, you know, you're studying full time and you're trying to get done with homework and you've got tests and papers and all the things, plus a little side job. And you're just trying to make it all fit and all work together. Well, at, at some point, I couldn't make it all fit anymore. And so, you know, I just, I would just say, well, I'm just going to, just this one time. I'll just, I'll, for this meal, I'll just use the card one time. Many of you right now, you're like, oh, yeah, bro, I totally feel that. Just one time, right? Just, that's it, just one time. And, um, so, you know, it's, it's college. Like, I, I got to take care of business. I, I got a future that I'm planning for. And so sometimes you got to buy a meal. Sometimes you got to buy your friends meals. Sometimes you got to take your whole floor out bowling because, you know, you're a good guy. Sometimes you got to get a car to impress the ladies. Like, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So um, I made some foolish decisions and I racked up some debt and I couldn't pay it. I absolutely couldn't pay it. I was in deep and I was in trouble. And so uh, I was trying, I was trying to pull my way out, but my job wasn't paying me enough. And so, uh, so I, I, my creditors were calling my, my dorm room. They're trying to get a hold of me. They were trying to track me down, chase me down. You know, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like 19 years old. I'm like, I'm going to go to jail. And I mean, I'm freaking out about everything. And um, I know it's pathetic. And so my roommate's hearing all this going on. I'm embarrassed. I feel weird. Some of you are like, oh, bro, yes. Some of you know the pain of that. So I, it, w- it was affecting me, though. It was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my, my classes. It was affecting my work just because it was this heavy weight. And I didn't want to go back to my room because I was afraid of the message that might be waiting there on my landline, waiting for me on my landline there because that was all we had. Um, and so, so I, it, just, it was really bumming me out. So I ended up going home for a break uh, to Colorado Springs, and I was at church that Sunday morning. And after church, the pastor sat me down just to check in. and said, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And normally I would say, oh, man, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. Life, life's good. But this time, for some reason, I just confessed it to him. I was embarrassed. I felt weird about it. And I just said, you know what? I got myself in trouble. I'm embarrassed about it. And I've got this debt, uh, and I, I can't pay it. And, um, and I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, huh. How much is that? So I told him how much it was. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Brent, why don't you send me those bills? I'm going to take care of it for you. And that's what I said. Wow. (laughs) Suddenly, some of you know this feeling. There's a weight. The weight just lifted off of me. I, I, I just, I got teary-eyed and I, I, I cried a little bit. I got something in my eye. It's dusty in here. I got... You know, I just, I had this weight that was suddenly lifted off of me because somebody loved me enough to take care of my needs. I couldn't get myself out of it. I was in deep. There was no way I was going to pull myself out by myself. And somebody said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to take you out of that. That's exactly what's happening in Romans chapter three. Most of you know, we've been studying through the book of Romans. We're on the third chapter today. And we've, been, we've called this series Life in the Balance, because that really is what Romans is about. We're working our way through the book, and Romans is an incredible book because essentially it's like a basic handbook of Christianity. Like all the big theological issues are going to come up in this book. So many, in fact, we won't be able to deal with every one of them as we walk through over the next several weeks. 
but it's a really important book. And because all these theological issues are in there, the, the, uh, it really, honestly, it's a book that has transformed history. Like it's literally changed the world that we live in. There's a great Swiss Bible commentator. He said, every great revival in history, like all the revivals that we read about through history that ever started can somehow be related to this book of Romans. And everybody, that's my prayer. My prayer is that this book and this message series, that it would shift us, that it would do something in our hearts, that it would push us out of our comfort zones, that it would help get us unstuck. And really, that this book and these ideas, that it would start a revival in our hearts as a church family. So in Romans chapter 3, we're going to continue today. But I want you to keep in mind that the Apostle Paul is continuing to write this as if it was a courtroom drama played out in front of us. Right? So you've got the case, and the case before the court is mankind's guilt or his innocence before God. The charge is that mankind has deliberately rejected God. The prosecutor is Paul himself, and the accused, well, that's all of us. It's all of humanity, every single one of us. And so in these first three chapters of Romans, Paul is like the prosecuting attorney, and he's making the case that everybody in the world has done wrong. Everybody in the world has sinned. Everybody in the world is guilty, and so everybody in the world will be judged. Aren't you encouraged this morning? I'm so glad you're here. So in Romans chapter 3, Paul starts to close the argument. He starts to do his closing remarks in the case. And he does what any good lawyer would do. First, he anticipates the questions that are in the minds of the jurors. right? Because he sees the jury thinking, well, wait, okay, yeah, but what about, what about this? Like, what about our unfaithfulness and God's faithfulness? Like, what about that? Like, when, when, when we're unfaithful, does that, does that change God's faithfulness to us? Like, isn't he the same? Isn't he great? What about our unrighteousness and God's righteousness? Like, does, does our sin make God look even better? Like, does it stand to reason that, that, the, that the more I sin, that God just to forgive, gets to forgive me more? And so, really, he just comes out like the good guy. So, really, all of my sin is really just helping him out. You're welcome. Or you can see people starting to think this. And so what Paul does is the second thing, he answers all those questions in advance. And he does that by bringing in all these supportive arguments. He brings in all this quotations and stuff from the Old Testament and starts bringing the arguments that these people are making to their illogical conclusion. Like this in Romans 3, 5 in the Living Bible. They might say, but some say our breaking faith with God is good. Our sins serve a good purpose for people will notice how good God is when they see how bad we are. Is it fair then for him to punish us when our sins are helping him? These are the arguments that they were starting to make. And Paul takes those arguments and he flips them upside down in Romans 3. And he starts to move them to their illogical conclusion and show them, no, this is not the way to live. And so third, he summarizes in his conclusion. Romans chapter 3 verse 9 says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that all Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And what he's getting at here is that when you and I stand before God, we are not going to be able to defend ourselves. We're not going to be able to say, but, 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 but poor he's a pig. It's like, uh, no, I, but God, I, I was innocent. But, 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 but God, you don't, you don't understand. I, 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 I was a good person. Like, I, I did my best. Like, I, God, I, I didn't know. I just, I wasn't aware of any of this. God, look, God, you don't understand. I went to church, like, two times a month. Like, that's pretty good. Like, I, I, I prayed monthly. Like, I, I read my Bible 
that one year. Like I did, I did the things, right? I, I, I did the stuff. God, you don't, you don't understand. Why is this happening? Because Paul is saying nobody's going to be able to defend themselves because no one is righteous. <laughs> Not even one. And so the gavel comes down. The gavel comes down. The verdict is proclaimed. Guilty. That's kind of fun. Not especially fun topically, but it's fun. Guilty. Mankind is guilty. All counts of wickedness. All counts of sinfulness. All counts of self-righteousness. Guilty. Guilty. Okay, I'm done. Mankind is guilty. Man, Romans is good. Okay, so, so then what happens? All the case is being built up. Paul has laid it all out before us. We're all, we've all heard it. We've all read it. Over the past couple weeks, you've heard it and read it. And then Paul gets to verse 21. In verse 21, he says two words that are incredibly important. He says, but now. After all this case, after all the guilt, after the guilty verdict, after the sin, but now. Verse 21, but now. Two small words, but their placement here is huge. This is like the climax of the movie. This is like the, the, the knight in shining armor arriving on the horse or the princess in shining armor, whichever you prefer. It's, it's like this is the moment where everything changes. This is like the Daniel LaRusso in the All-Valley Karate Championship doing the crane technique right before he's about to take the guy down. Like this is that moment. This is the moment where Dr. Emmett Brown reconnects the wires to the courthouse so that the DeLorean can come and 1.21 gigawatts of power can go into the DeLorean to send Marty back to the future. This is that moment. Some of you aren't with me. This is, this is, this is the moment where Tom Cruise says, you complete me. There you are. Like verse 21 is that moment. Paul makes a major change. He stops being the prosecuting attorney and he becomes the defense attorney. And he starts to explain that in spite of all this argument that God has done incredible things for us. And in his explanation here, he lays out a practical description of the gospel. Romans 3 verse 21, but now. And all that stuff in the first three chapters, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets they testify. A righteousness from God. What God has done for us is unearned. It's solely, simply from God. We don't get to heaven by good works. We don't get to, get to heaven by earning it. We don't get to heaven by obeying the Ten Commandments. We are not saved by showing up at church. We are not saved by reading the Bible. We are not saved by our prayer life. None of those things are true. Salvation is apart from any religious law or any list of morals. It solely comes from God himself. But our tendency is to try to, try to do stuff to get to heaven. Like here in America, we want to produce. We want to climb to the ladder. We want to do all the stuff. And we try, to, we try to do stuff to get to heaven, to earn our way there. If I, just, if I just do a daily Bible reading plan this year, I bet I can get there. If I just go to all the 21 days of prayer, prayer meetings, I bet I can get there. If I just do all the right things, if I give in the offering, if I serve in team one, I'm going to get there, especially in tinies because of the little cute babies that do things and smell things. Let's move on. If I just do the right stuff, I'm going to get there. But the apostle Paul says, nope, none of it, none of it is going to get you to heaven. 
There's only one way, verse 22. The righteousness, which means our right standing before God, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so we sum up the Christian faith with this one word, faith. Trust, faith. All the other religions of the world, they would say, you gotta do something. You have, to, you have to do something. You have to perform. You have to make something happen. You've got to do this list of things, not the Christian faith. The Christian life simply says, believe it, accept it, have faith in Jesus. That's really all you have to do. I like this. Somebody said, somebody said that religion is spelled D-O. Religion is spelled do. But, but that's not the Christian faith. Christianity is simply spelled D-O-N-E done. It's already been done. Everything that you need for life and godliness, it's already been done for you. Everything that God has done only comes through faith in Jesus Christ and believing that that's the reality, which means that there's one condition for all of us to get in on what God has done for us. You have to believe. You just have to believe. And notice, it just says believe. It doesn't say believe and try hard. It doesn't say believe and do a bunch of stuff. It says believe. It says, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who, to all who, sorry, that wasn't kind, to all who, believe. I do love you, I just want to hear it, to all who, yeah, to all who believe. Think about it like this. Let's say you've got a meeting downtown and you've got to go to the 30th floor in one of the high rises. And so you go to the building and you, you go to the elevator and you push the button, doors open, you step in and you start going up. But you just push floor number three. You get to floor number three and then it opens up and so you step out and you decide, I'm going to take the stairs. And so you take the stairs, take the stairs for about three floors and now you're on the sixth floor and so then you get off the stairs and you go back to the elevator and you go back and push, all right, I'm going to step in, push floor number nine, you go up three more floors and then what do you do? You get out and you take the stairs again. And you, and you just keep taking the stairs. Elevator, stairs, elevator, stairs, elevator, stairs. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? I mean, unless you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, and it's like, bro, you got to move. <laughs> but if you don't, it would be ridiculous. Why? Because the elevator will do the work and take you to where you need to go. All you have to do is trust it. <laughs> All you have to do is trust it. That's it. And, a lo- and yet a lot of us, we live that way. We try to do stuff. We say, yes, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust God to, to receive me. I'm going to trust God to forgive my sins. I'm going to trust God to give me eternal life. But then I feel like I've got to read my Bible enough so that he'll be pleased with me or else he'll be mad at me. And then we jump back into to faith. Oh, God, I just trust you. I should... Oh, but if I don't pray enough this week, he's going to be super mad and he's going to hurt me. It's going to be terrible. Back and forth, back and forth. Faith. Try, faith, do stuff, faith. Do stuff. Now, of course, faith and works is important, and I'm not proposing that you just say, hey, Jesus, take me, and then it's over. We have to be obedient. We have to, but you can't earn salvation. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you and I can do. So Paul continues in verse 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This verse is probably familiar to most of us, but I want you to look at these two important verbs. The first is have sinned, have sinned. In Greek, these two words, they're archery terms. And what they refer to is missing the mark. It's like you pull the arrow back and you shoot and you miss the bullseye. When you miss the bullseye, you miss the mark. You could say, oh, it, it sinned. 
It didn't make to the place where it was supposed to go. It sinned. It missed the mark. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the arrow fell short. It missed the mark. That's what this verse is saying. We missed the mark. We've missed God's standard, and we can't hit it. We can't do it on our own. And then fall short. This is an athletic term, and it literally means to fall behind in a race. Like to get behind. Paul is saying this is like a race. It's a race to get to God. It's a race to be with him. And a lot of us, we fall short because in order to get to him, we'd have to be perfect. We can't enter his presence. We can't be near him uh, without, without that. So we've got to be perfect. And I, I, how many know? Nobody is. Well, with the exception of my lovely wife, probably. She's the closest, maybe. But. <laughs> and my daughter wholeheartedly believes. <laughs> oh, that was so cute. I just want to ponder that for a minute. All right, we've got to go. So <laughs> all of us have sinned and we fall short. We don't have the goods. We're not able to get to him on our own. Nobody's perfect. We all fall short. Sure, some of us make it further than others of us do. No doubt about it. There are people in the world that are much better than me and stronger than me and more moral than I am. But thank God I'm not trying to get there on my own effort because I fall short. Romans 3.24 then says, So all of sin fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Oh, I love this. Because now we're getting down to it. Now we're getting down to the power and the real meat of this passage. This verse is one of the most significant verses in the Bible, I think. And there are three key words that describe what God did for us in Jesus. And the first word that I want to look at is that word freely. You are justified freely. Freely just means without a cause. <laughs> like, like, there's no reason. Like, like I, I don't deserve it. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. I don't understand it. I just got it for free. The only reason is because he loves me. I didn't do anything for it. The second word that I want you to see there is that word redemption. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption, it means to release by paying a ransom. To release by paying a ransom. That word redemption, it was used two different ways in Paul's day in the Roman Empire. First, it was used to refer to slaves. There was an open slave market there in Rome, and when Paul wrote this letter, there were probably over half a million slaves. Like half the population in Rome at the time was probably slaves. And so if you had the money to buy a slave, you would go to the market and you would purchase a slave. And you could do whatever you wanted to with that slave. You could take them home to utilize them, or you could set them free. Slaves didn't have rights. You could do whatever you wanted to. So you would go to the market and you would pay a redemption. You would pay a price to take that slave. And then you could put them to work or you could set them free. But you could do whatever you wanted to once you paid the redemption price. Second, it was used in the taking of hostages or like kidnapping. If someone was kidnapped or held hostage, you could pay a redemption. You could pay an agreed upon price to set that person free and give them back to you. This is the point that Paul's making. This is what Jesus did. Jesus set us free from slavery. Jesus set us free from captivity, and he paid for it himself. So again, I want you to think about the courtroom scene, all right? Go there to your favorite show, whether it be Matlock or Law and Order or Perry Mason or whatever it is. I want you to picture that courtroom drama scene. The case against humanity, it's cut and dry. The evidence here is absolutely overwhelming, 
There's no defense here. And so God, as the judge, he picks up the gavel and he pronounces the word, guilty. Guilty of wickedness, guilty of selfishness, guilty of self-righteousness, guilty of godlessness. And then God declares that the sentence to this guilty verdict has to be death. The wages of sin is death. And immediately there's commotion in the courtroom, right? The whole place is in an uproar. Some people are, are yelling and screaming and other people are crying. The devil and his demons are there. and They're pointing and laughing because they're thinking, ah, oh, this is it. We did it. We won. And just before all of humanity is led out of this courtroom that's presented here in Romans, before all of humanity is led outside the courtroom to die, Jesus stands up. And he says, Father, I want to say something. And the Father says, you may. And Jesus says, I understand it. I understand the guilt. I understand that they've sinned and fallen short. I understand that the wages of sin is death. I understand all of it. But I want to give my life for theirs. Would you accept my life for them? The father looks at his only son and says, it's done. It's finished. And Jesus is let out to give his life for us. This is the picture that Paul is writing about. This is the picture that the Spirit of God is presenting to us. Jesus paid for your freedom. He paid the redemption that was necessary. And you and I and the people in our community, we don't have to pay that price. Which leads us then to the third word. And that word is justified. We read, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The word justified, it's a legal term that's used in a courtroom. And it literally means to declare not guilty. To declare not guilty, to be acquitted, to make right. Justification is the legal act of God declaring guilty people not guilty. Well, I couldn't be more ill-timed. The legal act of God declaring guilty people not guilty. In other words, the case is dismissed. In other words, you can go free. Here's the incredible thing about justification. It's more than just forgiveness. Justification means there is no longer any case at all against you. The case is now wiped out. You are in perfect standing with God the Father. All the charges against you have been dropped. Everything. It's not just, oh, I'm forgiven and I'm so happy for it. No, the case is thrown out. It's gone. There's no more record. It's finished. Now, when God the Father looks at you, he sees his son Jesus. So see yourself in that courtroom scene. You already know it. You're 100% guilty. You already know that you're, you're supposed to be sentenced to death. It's what you've earned for your sin. It's the conscious decision that we've all made to choose a life that rejects him and choose a life to do what we want to do. And the end result of that is we end up far from him. We already know all of it. And then Jesus stands up and he says something. And the courtroom goes nuts and it's kind of a blur and you don't understand. But then he walks out and God the Father looks at you and says, you're free to go. You can leave. You're free. This is the amazing thing. God has declared you not guilty for all of the sins you have committed. And the gavel comes down. He says, it's over. Once and for all. That's justification. Romans 3, verse 25, he continues on and says, 
So God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Through faith in his blood, he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The next thing we see about what God did for us is how much our salvation cost God. Because the ransom paid was Jesus Christ giving his own life. Jesus Christ giving himself in your place. And for those of you who think, oh, that's, that's, so, that's so weird. Like, that seems so bad. Like, God, like, there's a father. You, you wanted me to worship God as a, a father who would send his own son into the world to die? You'd kill him? No, 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 no. You're missing the point. When we talk about God, we talk about God as one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. They're one God with three distinct persons. It's very confusing. We call it the Trinity. It's really difficult to understand. People have wrestled with it for years. Don't spend too long on it, but hear me. What we're talking about here is not a father just sending his son to earth to die for you. And he's mean and vengeful and vindictive. No, this is God the Father and God the Son, the same, coming together to say, let's rescue them. This is the two of them together saying, with the Spirit, let's rescue them. Jesus is in on this plan. And giving his life for us, Jesus paid for all of the sin, all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins, he says you are not guilty of those if you'll just turn your life over to me and follow. So the Apostle Paul gives his conclusion to all of this in Romans 3.27. He says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. It's for everybody. In other words, there's nothing about what God has done that I get to claim for myself. There's nothing that I have to be proud of. There's nothing that I can do to earn it. Because salvation is simply God's doing. And my place is to say, I believe that and I receive it. And that's it. And you can do that today. Listen, this is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves you, to justify you freely, to justify you freely and provide redemption for you. Why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. I want you, if you would, just to, just to let that sink in. Just as we've done over the past couple weeks, would you let the weight of the guilt set in? Would you let the weight of the fact that there's nothing that we can do to get to God set in? Would you let the fact that all of us have sinned and we all fall short of God's glory and none of us can hit the standard by ourselves? Nobody can. Would you let that settle in? And then would you realize that God has provided everything in his son Jesus so that you can. You can be saved and rescued from sin and death and hell. You can live eternal life with God. 
You can live a life that's clean and powerful and holy on a journey towards holiness while you're here on the earth. You can do all those things. And you will never do enough to earn it. And you will never make enough good decisions to deserve it. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. And so today, maybe you need to make the decision. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you're familiar with the Bible and Jesus and the cross and his resurrection from the dead and the fact that he paid for us through his death. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, but maybe today you wanna say, God, I just wanna turn my life over to you. Or maybe you've been in the church for quite a while, but by your lifestyle and by your decisions and by your actions, you've kind of said, I wanna live my own life. Today, you wanna make a change and say, God, I, I don't wanna pay that penalty. I, I wanna receive what you've done for me. I wanna come home. So if you're in either one of those positions today, we're just gonna pray. And I want you to pray from your heart right there, from your seat. I'm not gonna make you do anything else. But you just pray from there in your seat. Under your breath, whisper the words to him. I'll give you an idea of what to say and you pray and you just ask him into your life. You just give your life over to him. We're gonna tell him we believe in him. We're gonna tell him that we're gonna turn away from our old life and we're gonna ask him to be the Lord as we surrender to him. So maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We understand that, that we're guilty. We understand that what we deserve is death. We understand that we can't be the people that you want us to be on our own. We understand that we've made mistakes, but now. But now there's Jesus. But now there's forgiveness. But now there's help. But now there's healing. Thank you for taking away the guilty verdict. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for doing it freely when we don't deserve it. Thank you for the redemption price that you pay Jesus on the cross. Today, I say yes to that. I believe in it and I receive it. I wanna turn away from the life that I've been living and I wanna give my life to you. I, I surrender it all. Teach me to live like you and be who you want me to be. My life is yours. Would you come into my life and be the Lord, the Savior of me? Thank you for rescuing me in Jesus' name.